Tom Wolf is one of the most fascinating people I've met in hospitality. Chief concierge at the Fairmont San Francisco, he has a wealth of wisdom about how to provide remarkable hospitality, and he's just hilarious to talk with. In this episode, you'll hear why he considers himself a futurist and what he learned about providing hospitality from working at some of the best hotels around the world. This is Hospitality Daily, the show that helps you stay informed and inspired each day by the most interesting people in hospitality. My name is Josiah McKenzie, and my goal is to help you reconnect with why you work in this industry and get fired up to go out there, delight others, and reach your goals. Let's get started. One thing before we get into this conversation, we ended up recording in the patio of the incredible penthouse at the Fairmont San Francisco, and while the sun and views were beautiful... We do have some nice San Francisco soundscape in the background. I hear a little cable car. Yes, you will. You will. This is this is the beautiful thing. I mean, anybody who wants to come here and complain about the cable car noise, uh, the bell ringing, these are the same people who will complain if uh, we start playing America the Beautiful, okay? <laughs> just can't make everybody happy. Yeah, you just can't do it. Okay, so that being said, I do hope you'll stick around because there's a lot that we can learn from Tom today. Here he is explaining why he sees himself as a futurist. I embrace everything that is new and exciting and has technology. I am still dying to take, that's not a good way to put it, I am still very anxious to take my first ride in a vehicle that has no driver. Oh, one of those self-driving crews? Exactly. Yeah, okay. I mean, could you ask for more? It feels a like dri- we're living in the future, doesn't it? A driver it? <laughs> that doesn't talk, you know, and I don't want no stinking art- artificial intelligence uh, driver saying, What's your sign? Yeah. You know, no, just like Hal. Remember exactly, Hal? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Just, but it is, it is funny. That is one of the unique parts of living in San Francisco. It feels yes. like we have early access. It almost feels like we're living 10 years in the future. Correct. We, we invented Uber. Yeah. For one thing. I mean, because people say, are Uber cards easy to get here? Yeah, we invented them here, right? <laughs> You're probably going to find one. <laughs> well, it's funny that that show that we first met at, yes. what stood out to me was how many gadgets you had and how dialed you were on um, recording the video and the audio. Yeah. I'm so interested, though. Like, why, why do you spend so much time kind of figuring out kind of what's happening with regards to, you I'm know? sorry, I forgot the... Uh, uh, so- there's a dignitary going going along here. They they decided to go out to McDonald's for lunch. So I'm sorry for the motorcade noise. Uh, you know, uh, as far as all of that goes, uh, I latched on to Apple when they first came out with the first PowerBook. My wife bought that for me when we were living in New York, right after I'd moved back from Japan, and um, and I was working at the Plaza Hotel in New York, and the uh, first power book, it really weighed a lot, and it was it looked like it was military spec because it was the kind of battleship gray, but it was state of the art. Nobody had ever done something that small or that light, yeah. quote unquote. And I, I was just totally sold on it from that point forward. My, uh, as a kid, I just couldn't get enough of messing with stuff. I, I I loved to take things apart. I loved to look at electronic stuff. Uh, in my basement, I had a whole workshop with old TVs and radios. And my dad and I would go around to these radio repair shops. And I'd say, you got any old radios you don't want? And, they, and you know, 50% of the time, they'd give me a radio that still worked. 
I, you know, of course, it was like a 1940 Philco radio or something like that, which I wish I still had. That would be quite something. Well, my dad liked to say, my son is mechanically inclined. And he was very proud of that. And then my mother would be over in the corner kind of, not muttering, but kind of whispering to herself, he's destructive. He's destructive. But she was right. And he was right. I love to take things apart. Sometimes I couldn't get them back together. Sorry, Mom. Okay. That's the only way you learn, though. <laughs> That's right? how you learn how yeah. things work. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I want to hear about your work as a concierge. I feel like talking about technology, talking about a concierge, what do you, how do you think about technology in the context of being a hospitality provider? Where is it useful? Where does it become too much? Whatever you could do to make it a better experience for your client is the way to go. So if it's a machine that will allow me to do something in 30 seconds that I that used to take me 30 minutes, sign me up, okay? Sign me up. I don't know what it is, but I'll, I, I want it. Uh, I, a classic example would be uh, the, uh, uh, what's it called? The uh, restaurant app called Open Table. And I'm not giving them a free plug. I just happened to, they came to me and said, we've got this app where you can just go online and make restaurant reservations. And uh, I, the fellow made like, a, a, he started to make his pitch. And after he'd been about 30 seconds into it, I said, yeah, I want it. Sign me up. He said, well, don't you want to hear more? No, I said, listen, just sign me up, Okay. I knew immediately that's the futurist part of me. I could see that that was the way it was going to go. This was just when the Internet was kind of getting started, and people were scared. They said, I don't want to be replaced by a machine. Well, it's not a machine that's going to be <laughs> getting replaced. You know what it is? It's this dirty old yellow page that you've got here. And I, I threw it across the room at one of our meetings, you know. Luckily, it didn't hit anybody. And <laughs> I said, this Internet is going to be a lot much, lot easier to operate, and it will make your life better, therefore making your client's life better. And that's, that's kind of where that started from. And I still, I still believe that to this day. Of course, somebody will come up with Rube Goldberg stuff, too, occasionally. You, you know, I, I, I was uh, the first and only concierge to ever have Google Glass do you know what Google Glass is? Oh, wow. That's a that's a blast from the past. We're going back about 10 years now. Yes, we are. That was least. a very futuristic technology. Totally futuristic technology. Yeah. And as my son uh, put it so eloquently, he said, Dad, Dad. He's got a deep voice like Dad, right? He says, Dad, Google comes up with concepts. Apple creates products. <laughs> I thought, boy, you could make a commercial out of that right there, you know? Well, you should work for Apple, I feel. <laughs> but it's interesting you you mentioned that because for me, it's fascinating to watch AI unfold, even in the past six months. Mm -hmm. And in many regards, San Francisco is the hub of a lot of this activity. Yeah. And it's interesting to go back. I'm, I'm finding it fascinating to look at the history of every new innovation wave that rolls out. And you mentioned something like the Yellow Pages or the Internet or Google. Because everybody, it, it seems like it's the same song and dance. Mm. You know, it's going to take away our jobs. And yeah. AI does feel more capable, but at the same time, I wonder maybe hospitality's more about a human connection that it makes you more is. resilient. Absolutely, it still yeah. is. And that's going to get more valuable as time goes on. 
So treasure the people you've got, especially if they're good at what they do, because these are the people who are going to be the leaders of the human continuation, Mm. or human continuum, if you prefer, like that, human continuum. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, It's not about all the technology and everything else. It's about having that to make life easier while retaining the human touch and the human contact, the person who can say to you, uh, you know, you don't really need that umbrella today. Now, you do that to 100 people, 20 of them will be soaked with rain when they come back. So you don't use that line anymore, Mr. Wolf, right? Okay? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I find that um, interesting to kind of think about that, that notion of just the, you know, the intersection between hospitality and technology, you know, just especially in the environment that we're in, there's, it's a very kind of tech heavy environment, but you've also worked, uh, you know, with at, and with some of the most iconic hotels in the world. I wonder if we could talk a little bit about what led you to your first role as a concierge, because this role of the concierge fascinates me to no end. What was your journey to first becoming a concierge? Well, I've always been an avid reader. I, I just loved to read and I read travel books and everything. So I knew what a concierge was, even though we didn't have any in the USA. But I knew it from reading my Temple Fielding's Guide to Europe. That was a great book. That was like one guy writing his read on the world. And uh, if you ever get a chance to, to find a copy of Temple Fielding's Guide from like the 60s, it's so wonderful because it's so subjective and it names names. And it uh, he absolutely trashed the Ritz Hotel where I worked, but he did that evaluation before I came to work there, obviously. And then when you arrived, I'm sure it was different, right? It was right? different. Yeah. But uh, when I found myself in London, uh, I worked at the reception counter, and I was very good at that. I mean, I'm sorry to bat my own back, but I, I really was good at what I did. What made you good at that? Uh, I think it was the fact that I liked people and I liked speaking to them, but I wasn't a wise guy when I did it. I I always knew how to keep, although I loved to have fun and joke and everything, I I held back a little bit on the the, the, where I am now. Now I'll I'll crack a joke with anybody, you know, really. And and once in a while they'll even laugh, so that's a good thing. But but the... uh, being over there and seeing the concierge in action, who I was introduced to, and they were like, my gosh, they were like the, the mayor of the lobby. In fact, at the Ritz, where I worked, the concierge desk was elevated. Yes. Wow. Okay. That was not unusual there. Uh, I think it was the Creon in Paris. They had an elevated desk. So this is where the term looking down your nose at somebody came from. Because, first of all, you're elevated, so you're already a foot or two above them. So you really are looking down your nose when you're speaking to that client. It's kind of like a, a gun sight, you know. Yes? How about you? But so. this role was literally looked up to so much, they actually yeah. elevated the whole they area. elevated wow. the whole thing. And uh, uh, what amazed me, though... It wasn't so much the staging, it was simply the knowledge that these folks had. I mean, uh, you know, the, the little old lady would come up and say, I- I'd like to go on the next train to Brighton, please. 
Very good, madam. Did you want the Brighton Bell? That leaves in 45 minutes. No, that's a bit too soon. What have you got after that? Well, there's the Bournemouth Bell, but you wanted Brighton, didn't you, madam? You know, and this is, and I thought, not only is the answer correct without even consulting a guidebook, but the delivery of it, the sophistication of it. Uh, oh, you won't, you won't want to be doing that, ma'am. Not today. It's Derby Day today, or you know, some such thing. They knew instinctively about. Uh, it's same as me now, years later, saying uh, that might be a bit of a challenge today because of beta breakers. That's really the same verbiage that I heard, you know, fifty years ago or more in London, and uh, that. That kind of idea of being the fount of all knowledge and knowing everything and being able to relate it in a very lucid way, but a charming way and a sophisticated way and having your own kind of, for want of a better word, rap, you know, to talk to people, that that was what really attracted me. That's the a little bit the showbiz side of it. Well, and, and this is where it's interesting to hear the different threads throughout your life and your career mm-hmm. connect from studying radio yes. to the performance to your impersonations. <laughs> and um, what stands out to me is being a compelling concierge. It's not just knowing the information. That seems table stakes. But it's the delivery is an art. And it's the delivery of this information that almost becomes an element of the hospitality experience. Very well put. And uh one of the words I like the most uh, in Italian is personaggio. A personaggio. Now, well, who's a personaggio? It means personality. Sure. But give me an example of someone who is a personaggio. All right. How about this one? Pavarotti. I mean, that guy walks into a room and he owns the room automatically, mainly because of his size. Okay. Uh, these are people who... Uh, Personaggio is one word, and in French, there's a wonderful word called allure. Now, allure is, we have that in English. Oh, boy, does that lady have allure. We could say that about Marilyn Monroe, who definitely had allure. It means kind of attraction, but allure in French has a little bit more esoteric meaning to it. A race horse, a racehorse can have allure. It's when you walk into some place and immediately you go, ting. Oh, you, there's a magnetism that just, uh, 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 charisma that's just kind of reached out and grabbed you from that person. The Queen Mother, God rest her soul, who I met when I was at the Ritz, she had that allure. And, and I'll never forget when I met her, I worked at the Ritz, I had a wonderful, wonderful meeting with her just by chance. She came up to thank me for dinner that she'd had in the dining room with 35 people that were with her and there was 20 staff standing with me and she picks me wow i ain't no personage i was just a 25 year old american <laughs> what a story is this something you feel people can develop or is it something where you're either born with it or you're not that's a good point uh are you is it something you're born with something you're born with has a very arrogant taste to it uh, it means you'll never have it. You'll never have it. And you'll never have it is one of the things that I hate the most in life. You'll never do this. You'll never do that. Because that's what people have told me over the years. And every time they've told me that, it has kind of made me 
not only want to do it, but do it and then come back to that person years later and say, how you doing? And have them say, where have you been? I say, doing all the things you told me I couldn't do. <laughs> really? And that's my lesson to anybody, anybody who is young and starting out in life. You'll get lots and lots of advice. A lot of it will be lousy advice, like you'll never do that. Don't even think of doing that. Forget about that. You follow your heart and do what you want to do because whatever you want to do, you can do it. Guaranteed. You just put your mind to it. I, I love that. And so what's really interesting to me is to hear, you know, kind of you being attracted to this role of a concierge, you having some of these early roles. What happens next? What what how does your career progress from there? We'll be back after a quick break. Are you enjoying this conversation? If so, I invite you to text this episode to a friend or colleague as well. Not only will you let them know that you're thinking about them, but you'll help them as well. One more thing. I'm having a lot of fun right now sharing videos and photos from the stories on the show. So if you'd like to see those or watch along, open up Instagram and YouTube now and follow Hospitality Daily so we can stay in touch. All right, let's get back to the conversation. Well, I guess I'm at the point where I could, it'd be a bit arrogant for me to call myself this, but uh, I might be able to be uh, considered uh, <laughs> an elder statesman. Which I think is a great, uh, that's, great. <laughs> a, that's, that, that's a, one great thing, or an eminence grise. An eminence grise is a, a more active kind of elder statesman. That's somebody, an eminence grise is, I always picture that as the, the old guy who's pulling the curtains at the, uh, you know, the, 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 at, uh, the, uh, the opera or someplace yeah. like that. You know, yeah. he's the, the, behind the scenes cueing somebody in. And, and I, I love both of those roles. Uh, I love the history and heritage of our city. Uh, I love the, the, especially the heritage and history of this fabulous hotel, this magnificent hotel. Uh, and I want that to continue to live. And if I can leave that as a legacy, I can look over my shoulder and say, well done, you. Frank Lloyd Wright, I was starting to say, his, as far as being a futurist, he had his car fixed so that it had no rear view uh, window, no rear window. Why is that, uh, your eminence? It's because I never want to look backward, only forward. Good way to live. Well, he, he was a personaggio in every sense of the word, Frank Lord Wright. Yeah, man, that, that's, that's so fascinating. <laughs> I guess maybe to um, bring this to life, I'm, I'm curious for you kind of think about the work that you do here at the Fairmont with so many people visiting San Francisco, I imagine you get an interesting mix of people who are here for the first time, people who have been coming here for years. What do you do to um, help them kind of see and appreciate, maybe starting with the beauty of this hotel and then kind of the, the city at large, but starting with this hotel, how do you introduce them to kind of the history of this property? Well, I spent a year making a video of the Fairmont history, and it's still up there on YouTube. I think it says the Fairmont history 2015, which is when I made it. And I put together all of the stuff I had in my archives, and I did a voiceover, and I had music and everything, and it really tells the story of how the hotel began and how it went through uh, the Depression and all the rest of the things and, you know, came out to being the present-day Fairmont. Not terribly unlike the beginning Fairmont, because if you go to the lobby, 
that marble floor you stand on is the original. Wow. Yeah, that's the one that was there from the beginning. And uh, we covered it over with uh, carpeting uh, back in the 1940s when Dorothy Draper came in and did this whole big uh, uh, makeover mm -hmm. after she'd done the Greenbrier. Dorothy Draper being the first preeminent decorator of the United States. Uh, the whole aspect of the history of it is available on that video. I even made a self-guided video, and I modeled after the one, uh, the, 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 the kind of audio tour of the Vatican. Yeah. And I have this nice music coming in, and uh, what was it? Uh, Welcome to the Fairmont Hotel. You know, uh, and, and, and that's fun, too, because people are always asking to go on tours of the Fairmont, and we purposely don't allow big tour buses coming in anymore. We don't want to have 40 and 50 people trooping through while someone is, uh, you know, trying to enjoy their martini, you know. And, uh, unless, of course, the, that person wants to buy a round of drinks for everybody in the room, then we might welcome them. We'll think about it. <laughs> we'll think about it. <laughs> that's 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 fascinating and so it's being conscious of uh, your other guests right and so as uh -huh. we're thinking about providing hospitality we, we also need to think about okay you know what is going to be the implication of my other guests um, yeah sure. and I guess this is a bit of a broad question but is I'm curious when when you think about remarkable hospitality how, how would you define that what is remarkable hospitality remarkable yeah. hospitality is very simple it's something that when you go home and you're uh, uh, nursing your dry martini at home and suddenly a thought comes into your head or maybe a picture on the TV comes on oh isn't that the Nacional in Havana just by seeing a corner of the dining room yeah and it, yeah of course it is right and, and because remember when they made that special drink for us on our anniversary and you know uh, having something that is a memory that's going to stay with you forever. Uh, here's an example. A client came to me. His daughter was celebrating her 13th birthday. In fact, uh, today I think is the actual day. And he wanted uh, to give her tickets to a concert by a certain very popular artist. I wouldn't very, hard, very hard tickets to get. I wouldn't na <laughs> mention names like Taylor Swift or anything, but uh, you know, that wouldn't be right. <laughs> but uh, So I made a very elaborate uh, envelope with kind of my calligraphy presentation on it and uh, called her up in the room and said, uh, could you come down here to the concierge desk? We have a very important envelope for you. And I presented it to her. And, of course, Dad and Mom were watching this, and inside was her little pass to the well, you know, this takes, oh, my God, to a whole different level. <laughs> yeah. Well, th there's something about remarkable hospitality being the creation of memories, right? Yes. And so there's what I'm hearing from you is an attentiveness to your guests and then thinking about not only how do you deliver what they asked, where these very, very hard to, to get tickets, but even the presentation of that. So you're thinking about the details. You're thinking about the whole experience. So is the, the presentation is, is vital. It's mm -hmm. so important how you present something. I mean, you can hand somebody something or you can uh, create a little moment, a, a micro moment of time for them. 
I'll never forget when I saw blah, 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 or when I was introduced to Tony Bennett or when uh, I, I saw the Dalai Lama. You know, the, these little little things that will just live forever. Yeah. And when I look over my shoulder, that's what I see. But it's, it's awesome to hear that. And I feel that requires a lot of care, a lot of time, a lot of thought, because especially for people who are well-traveled, they experience some incredible hospitality. So to meet that bar of being memorable is very high, right? And so it requires a, a lot. How do you, what keeps you motivated to do this day after day for years? How, how do you stay, how do you keep that, that mindset? Well, I know that every day is going to be a different one. I never know what challenge might await me. I, I, I was supposed to be on a Zoom call with uh, about two dozen of my European concierge colleagues, and I came in early to do that. And of course, I was met with a case of a missing cake that had gone missing, and I spent an hour tracking it down, finally found it, handed it to the person to whom, for whom it was intended. And I, and, uh, and I sent a little note to them. I said, sorry, I had to deal with the case of the missing cake. But I didn't feel bad at all. I felt great because I felt I've, I've made my day now. Mm -hmm. Now from this, I, that was my baseline. Now my whole day is going to be perfect because you know what? It's about karma, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Karma has everything to do with it. When you do good for somebody, that will come back to you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but it will come back to you because to be a great concierge requires you to have a big heart where you give, give, give all the time and a head that stays normal, that doesn't get big. That's the one you don't want to be big. People get big-headed about it. The mayor calls them up and asks them something. Wow, I'm so important. The mayor just called me. Forget it. Okay? Do the right thing for everybody and it will come back to you. The golden rule? Am I... Am I talking through my hat as yeah. my dad used to say? Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's a good it's a good reminder for all of us because I at least for me personally, I can get tied up in my to do list or these meetings sure. and you have, you know, a, a you know, a lot of things on your plate, but in that that's a good example where there's the trade off, right? right? I have this important meeting, but I need to take care of someone. And so in your hierarchy of how you view important things, taking care of someone is going to to that's supersede the numero that. Uno, yeah, right. Yeah. Amen. Interesting. Um, I feel like we covered a lot. Of time. Was there anything you were hoping I would ask you about or th things that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to? Well, I, I would simply say this in a general sense to everybody out there in Radio Land or wherever you might be. Um, keep an open mind wherever you go and uh, make every day a learning experience. You know, I worked in Japan for five years and I had a staff of about 20 uh, lovely, lovely, lovely young ladies. And... Uh, I converted them from being, quote, social directors to becoming concierge. And one of the big lessons I had was the city is your classroom. What a city to be a classroom. Tokyo, you kidding? Oh, my gosh. I mean, try finding something. Just try finding a place. That's, that's always fun. And I figured it out. I figured out the system. I'm not going to share it at this moment. Uh, another story for another time. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, don't be afraid to – because – Japanese people, by their nature, and I'm not painting a broad brush here, I'm just saying culturally, they tend to be somewhat reticent. They don't like to ask questions. They don't like to, they feel very bad if they don't have the exact answer for you. And I said, no, you've got to tell them your opinion, and opinions are what count. Now, 
you want to give your opinion and it turns out it's the wrong opinion, then fine, then then I'll step in and I'll save you, okay? Say, oh, that place, you know what? My colleague is exactly right, and you're exactly right. Because just two days ago, that restaurant changed hands. Totally false, of course, but uh, oops. You cover for them, but this is an important leadership lesson, right? You have to cover for your people. And and I think that makes a big impact in terms of the culture of people working on your teams where they feel I can take risks, I can express my opinion because I know the person I'm working for is, is has my back. Of course, right. that, that having your back is, is critical. And this is what managers who are coming up need to remember in our profession, in my opinion, if I can pontificate a little bit. Please take care of those who are working for you. They don't have the knowledge and experience you have. You're there to help mentor them. They are your protégés. So protégé, protect them. That's where that word comes from. Protect them, take care of them, have their back. If they stumble and fall, you be there to pick them up and dust them off and say, come on, kiddo, get back in the ring. Before we go, I want to let you know about a few more things. First, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite app to stay inspired each day by actionable insights from the most interesting people in hospitality. Second, I've started sharing videos and photos from the stories on the show on Instagram and YouTube, so if you'd like to see those or watch along, I encourage you to follow Hospitality Daily there so we can stay in touch. Third, if you'd like to listen to more conversations like the one you just heard, visit this podcast website at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com. I've spent a lot of time building out this website because I want to make it really easy for you to listen to the topics and guests that you are interested in, whether that's culture and leadership or operations or technology or something else. Browse and search the entire library of more than 400 episodes for some of the top leaders and innovators in hospitality at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com. Dot com to get ideas for delighting the people around you and reaching your business and career goals. I produce this podcast each day and give it away for free because I want us all to learn and grow together. If you enjoyed today's episode, I just have one favor to ask. Please take a moment to text or email this episode to a friend or colleague who might appreciate it as well. They'll be grateful to hear from you and what we covered in the show can help them as I hope it helped you today. Thanks for listening and I'll see you here tomorrow. 